Today's podcast is brought to you by 13 Star Designs. 13 Star Designs is a unique vinyl and embroidery shop featuring seasonal designs, spooky gifts, and of course, their signature item, the world-famous dick mark. The first ever penis-shaped bookmark. They sell wreaths and blankets and towels and all sorts of cool and weird stuff. Even bookmarks shaped like bookmarks, if you can even imagine. Check them out at facebook.com slash 13 star designs and find something perfectly strange for that strangely perfect person in your life. That's facebook.com slash 13 all spelled out star designs. Everybody, I'm Josh. And I am Alyssa. And we are back with another episode of The Podcast Was On Fire. And it wasn't my fault. A read-along pod where we dig into the good, the great, and the problematic. The Dresden File series by Jim Butcher. I'm an old longtime Dresdener. And I am brand spanking new. He is that, and we are chewing through Blood Rites, mm-hmm. book six of... Oh, is it really book six? Holy crap. We are flying, baby. And we wow. are chunk two of book six. We're looking at chapters seven through 12 today of Harry and the porn star intrigue. Yes. All exciting times. <laughs> so... How uh, how are you today, Liz? I'm doing peachy keen, jelly bean. That's a good way to be. I am phoneless for the second time in about a month and a half. It is a lot of fun when you pay $250 to get your screen fixed, and then the screen stops working five oh. weeks later. Um, really excited about that. I'm sorry, really, Josh. Really, really excited about that. Beyond that, though. <laughs> just getting through it. My voice is mostly back. That's fun. Mm-hmm. And uh found my water bottle. <laughs> hey, that that alone can make or break your day. Well, I knew where it was, but I finally re- recovered it after a good uh ah, month. So gotcha, gotcha. Left it in my buddy's car and finally, finally crossed paths this weekend to get that back. So I'm much more hydrated now than I was. <laughs> and if that doesn't mean life is good, let's see, I really I'm not sure what could possibly mean it. So (laughs) beyond that, I will read through chapter seven, but you got to do something for me first. You let everybody know what's going on in the story and uh, you're right. All right. So let's see. Harry saved a bunch of temple dogs. One was a stowaway. We found out the black court is in town and Thomas introduced him to a movie producer who turns out to be a porn producer. And got him a job as a PA because he believes he's cursed with the evil eye. So Harry shows up to the set on day one 
And a couple of interesting things in this uh, opening section here. Chicago is a town like every other where <laughs> the cheap business parks are in the suburbs nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I didn't know Second City was a name for Chicago. Yeah. Well, you I know, never- the um, theater company, I guess the, they're a comedy troupe. The Second City, they're called Second City because Chicago's the second city behind New York. You know what? Mm-hmm. I knew I knew that Second City was in Chicago. Mm-hmm. So I read a, I can't remember the, the name of the guy. We read like a memoir that was talking about that. And I knew they were in Chicago. I just didn't put it all together. Yeah. Well, no one said I was the clever one of the bunch. Nah, you're brilliant. But that's a fun nickname that I'll certainly use moving forward. Right? It's pretty great. <laughs> Arturo basically just got a short lease in a business park, which is a strange place to film porn. How are you supposed to like rent out a house or something in the valley? But what do I know? But they're not near California, so. I realize, but pres- <laughs> presumably they have homes for rent other places than the Valley. Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe that's why real estate's so expensive nowadays. Uh, they, but, might not have, they might not have the same kind of houses in uh, Chicagoland. Yeah, well, I, I don't think you need a certain type of house. I think you just need a, a bedroom and a camera is my I, understanding. I, but again, no, not the expert here. I def- am I. <laughs> de- defer to my uh, listeners here to correct me there. Um, but there's a fun interaction where he, he meets a couple of guys on set and one of them super kind and chill. The other one seems like a big jerk. <laughs> um, seems all roided out, but yeah, it's just funny. Harry's like, like, Oh, you, you a cameraman? Nope. Stunt double thinking he's just being funny. And that's not yeah. a real thing on a porn set, um, which makes it even funnier. And so one of the actors gets really, you know, defensive and says, and one time it's just kind of funny. <laughs> a kind dude you know saying what's up to the new guy and then just like this fussy in his own head younger guy i guess it's his second shoot ever he doesn't have a name yet he's still you know he's still finding his own way so you understand for being frustrated but that's never an excuse to be a dick Agreed. again there's this is kind of a theme here that we'll run into a lot over the course of this part of the story what it means you know, what it means to work in the sex trade basically because they talk a lot about children and families and, and religious views on it and stuff as we go through here, which is certainly, I guess that'll be probably towards the tip when we wrap it up, but there's definitely some yikesness there in the way that Butcher or this not the story approaches sex work in general. And we've seen that in the past, mm-hmm. which is kind of par for the course in 2004 and before, but still worth noting. Mm hmm. It's not like atrocious by any means. No, I don't know if no, did, no. did you feel any of that? No, I didn't. I, I thought it was it's more Harry is easily embarrassed by it more than he looks down on it. Oh yeah, no, I meant more like there's the, the conversation later where she says, if you're not okay with that, I don't care. You know, you're religious yeah. types or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. there. And that's kind of a, a that's a theme that bounces back and according to my recollection. And like I said, I definitely want to save it for the end. We can kind of wrap it all up. Mm-hmm. But um and I, I don't think it's necessarily attacking it it's just butcher and and harry both don't really know what to think about it i think you don't yeah. really know what to do with it I necessarily think, i think it's more that they don't know what to do with it versus that they look down yes, on it's it. yeah i mean i i, I like i said i i want to put a pin in that one because i mm-hmm. i do want to see how it goes but I, I wanted to mention it now just a so we don't forget and b i do want you to keep an eye on stuff like that because we'll, we'll touch on it later when we get to the her conversation with her kids but this is um, Jake and Bobby 
And Jake is the one that says he, he tra- thought about doing the family thing once. Didn't really work out. No, don't worry about Bobby. He's going to calm down. We go in and we meet a plain faced woman in her mid forties named Joan hair tied back under a red bandana. She's eating donuts. Very much not the typical femme fatale we meet in Dresden novels. Not in any way. <laughs> yeah. And again, it's just a reasonable description. It's not overly sexualized. It's just, it's great. And again, mm-hmm. one of the, we, so one thing I try to do is when I criticize things, I also want to point out when it's done well. Of course. That makes sense. So, so I thought that was worth noting. We meet Joan a little bit. You know, Harry has this quips as he, he meets new people. So we learned a little bit about how, what producing a, in this case, critically acclaimed erotic feature looks like. <laughs> that Bob. So we go through, she's, there's, she's got to do basically everything. She Which gets all this. about right. She's a line producer. Yeah, it seems to be kind of just making sure everything's set up. And the mm-hmm. PA is the gopher for <laughs> making sure that, gopher for the person that makes sure everything's set up. Definitely. They set up the food. She you know, walks them around, shows them kind of the set and everything like that. Talks about all the wiring problems they've had. You know, she says she's a little bit of an engineer, a plumber, power, lighting. You know, she, you basically have to be, you know, like, you know, you're just saying, right? Basically kind of a, a Jill of all trades in this mm-hmm. case. And so we learn a little bit about her. She's very adaptable. Again, seems like a relatively kind person here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do get both sides of it here, but it's really funny how most pe- most of the people on set are either like really, really nice and friendly or like just huge jerks, which I guess is how you remember stuff. You know, you yeah. have everything kind of in, in your brain. It just shakes to the extremes probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there may be something about a uh, unreliable narrator there, but I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. But it's also, you know, these are his kind of snap judgments on people. So, well, exactly. That's what I mean by that is that not necessarily that anything's untrue, but if you're writing, he's not carrying around a notebook writing stuff down. Whether it's that night or that week or, you know, months or years down the road, his recollections are going to kind of homogenize a little bit. Flawed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they go through, they put, they put the cameras together and kind of more in universe evidence that, Harry is definitely neuroatypical. He, he really likes the clicking things together and taping them up, just kind of the orderly mm-hmm. fashion there, which is fine. And, and but I good. like the throwback to the the farm. Yeah, he mentioned the last time. He, he, yeah, he, he likened it to working on the farm in Hog Hollow, Missouri, which is just a fun place to talk about. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that since they're not on, he's not worried about any of the damage to him. Not notable necessarily, though I noted it. Which is funny. This is like serious, intense electronic equipment, but because it's not running, it's all fine and dandy. Mm-hmm. Um, just world building stuff type there. We get some scuttlebutt on the actresses. We learn about Trisha Scrump, who's another one of Arturo's ex-wives. <laughs> which is spectacular. <laughs> now she's calling herself Trixie Vixen, which I like. Mm-hmm. And here we learn a little bit more through this discussion of Trixie Vixen, nay, Trisha Scrumpf. She is like Arturo, and like most of the cast and crew, they were working for a company called Silverlight, and Arturo somehow worked it in his breakaway that he was able to hire Silverlight personnel for a certain amount of time. And so this kind of gives us a little bit more understanding of the intrigue here. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of money involved and potentially a reputational hit to Silverlight. So certainly 
adds a little bit to maybe some potential motive situations. And you'd think after being a wizard for so long, he'd be better at not lying in general, but lying at the like, oh, hey, I have a plate in my head so that you can't you like, yeah. I don't know. You you think you'd have like something pretty set that you're really. Oh, so bad. About. But so he lies and says he has a plate in his head so he can't be there when they turn on yeah. everything, which makes sense for us knowing that. It's just funny that like, he hasn't bothered to have a compelling story put together or at least like confidently telling this story. Maybe this is a good story. I don't know. Um, but it's just clearly she doesn't believe him. And, um, she's like, how did you get this job? And luckily before he has to answer, we feel the entropy curse activating and rushing through the building. So the two boys that we met in the parking lot, Jake and Bobby, as well as two actresses that we haven't met yet, Emma and Giselle, are the only other people in the building. And so Harry, very forcefully, as really the only way to act in an emergency, mm-hmm. and he says, they're in danger, show me where, no. He says, my tone might have alarmed her, but her expression, her expression became more worried than frightened. So that he needed to get her to listen. She listened. She shows Harry to the dressing room and he says, get back. He's about to hop in. And I hadn't yet touched the doorknob when a woman began to scream. Mm -hmm. He opens the door and it's a big room that is apparently a dressing room. Uh, And he runs through the room into the bathroom. The shower is running. Its glass door broken into jagged teeth. The floor was covered in more broken glass, a little water, and a lot of blood. Two rigid, motionless bodies lay on the floor. My instincts screamed a warning, and just before I stepped into the pool of blood-stained water, I threw myself into a jump. My shins hit heavily on the counter of the sink, and I started to fall. I grabbed onto the faucet and hauled myself up. Sparks leapt up in the back corner of the room. A heavy, high-voltage light fixture had broken loose from the ceiling and fallen, hauling exposed wiring to lie in the thin sheet of scarlet liquid on the floor. So basically, these folks are getting electrocuted. And douchebag Bobby, what's happening? Hey, prick, what do you think you're doing? And Harry uses his raw will to get the power out. And the lights went out in the whole damn building. Whoops. But Jake and Giselle are on the ground and Harry tells somebody, tells Joan to call 911 and bring back all the ice you can find. We learn that Giselle has, must have slipped in the shower and sliced her neck open. So Jake and Harry do a little bit of first aid action. They start CPR and they really Sorry, I, I, re- I really like this description of CPR. Mm-hmm. As... I was just going to talk about that. Okay, no, no, I'll, I'll, I'll wait on it, but I just, it is not an easy, there's a lot of, carry on, I'll, you go ahead, and then when, when you bring it up, I'll. Okay. Um, and so when Harry talks about doing CPR, uh, he says, uh, I tilted the girl's head back and made sure her mouth was clear. Airway. I sealed my mouth to hers and blew in hard. Then I drew back and put the heels of my hands near her sternum. 
I wasn't sure how hard to push. The practice dummy in the CPR class didn't have ribs to break. I guessed and hoped I got it right. Five more pushes, then another breath. Five more, then another breath. The blue light from my amulet bobbed and waved about, making shadows lurch and shift. For the record, CPR is hard to do for very long. I made it for maybe six or seven minutes and was getting too dizzy to see when Jake told me to switch off with him. And one of the things that they actually train you is uh, you don't do CPR for more than one or two minutes. So six or seven, he is powering through. That's exhausting. Yeah. Like, holy crap. So, but that, I really liked that description of CPR because it is pretty accurate. You know, it's not an easy thing. It's something that is both difficult and draining. And she's bleeding all over the place. And then Joan comes back with ice. And he wraps it in the towel and presses it against the wound. This is actually a brilliant move. She's cut bad. If we get her heart started, she'll bleed out. The cold will make the blood vessels constrict, slow down the bleeding. It might buy her some time. Well, well, but here's the thing about that is, uh, yeah, that CPR, it was very... I don't know how to describe it. I, I, I'm not special by any means. But I'm, o, I'm 0 for 1 in my CPR career. And it it definitely felt accurate and right. Like, just the way he was describing the whole like thought process, it, it was very true to at least my experience. And it was not like PTSD, but it was just, it was just a lot. And, and, you know, like the, the conversation about breaking ribs and stuff and like literally all that stuff is going through you and you're trying to, you're trying to do it right. You haven't, you know, you haven't really paid attention in the CPR class probably in a decade or two decades. Um, Cause you know, you're just trying to tick the box, but um, no, I, I just, I, I loved how real that scene felt. And I'm sorry. Yeah. I know you'd already gone past that. I was more trying to gather my thoughts. No, 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 um, you're okay. But, uh, my one complaint is after we get to the ice when you're uh-huh. do, when you're doing CPR. Yes, you are beating okay. the heart. That <laughs> is yes. what you're doing. So yeah. uh, the order of operations there was a little suspect, but um, beyond well, but, that, I, mean, I just what's his face? Jake was holding hard pressure on the neck. That's fair. That's fair. And this was just a kind of an additional, and, and then they switch, and and that explains also why they weren't doing co CPR right with one person, yes, compressions and one with the breathing, exactly. Um, so paramedics arrive, and Bobby says that they're jinxed. The whole shoot is jinxed. We're screwed. Freaking Bobby, he's an idiot. Um, also not always wrong. No, but he's still an idiot because Joan is Joan installed the water heater and Harry finds burns on this poor girl's face, mm-hmm. not from the electricity. And so Bobby, no one to shut the fuck up, you know? Um, and then the paramedics arrive and take over and Jake tells Harry, thought I felt her breathe. God, this is really terrible. What are the odds of all of that happening? You know? (laughs) Yeah. And then Harry reaches out kind of his feelers and doesn't feel anything in the room. And that 
that very much is indicative, as we are aware, of the entropy curse. And what do you what do you mean what do you mean by that? Where As in the curse is gone now, or well, no, that the the negative energy comes in. He felt it swoop by him. It mm-hmm. does its thing, and then it dissipates. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, and that's that's kind of because that's what we learned about when the entropy 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 curse got him last time. And so, Jake, this is just an entertaining interaction. Uh, Jones telling Jake he needs to go to the hospital. And he's like, no, no, I'm fine. He was just electrocuted, by the way. Uh, uh-huh. Guffy, get your bow-flexed ass into that ambulance. <laughs> Though I apparently see the same starlist as Einstein, the Bride of Frankenstein, and Don King, I feel fine. So Joan drives him to the hospital. Uh, and she says, Harry, be back here by three, all right? Why? To start shooting. Shooting, Jake blurted. After that? The show must go on. Everyone out so I can lock up. Guffy, get into my car and don't argue with me. Arturo is meeting us at the hospital. And Joan sighed. Maybe we are jinxed. It's like something. It's like someone said Macbeth. What are the odds? Jake agreed. Bubble, bubble, toil and trouble. Fire burn and cauldron bubble. I didn't say anything to them, but I was pretty sure things would get worse before they got better. A whole lot worse. And for anybody who's not aware, Macbeth is, um, you're not supposed to say Macbeth in a theater. It's bad luck. Uh, In theater circles, it's referred to as the Scottish play because it's supposed to be, it's supposed to jinx your production. And that's the end of the chapter. Bubble, bubble, toil and trouble, obviously. Yes, Yes, that is from from that as well. That is directly from Macbeth. Um, I do like he he must do pretty extensive research on some of these things. I mean, Mm -hmm. every novelist does, presumably. I don't know. I've never written a book. Um, I got some ideas kicking around, (laughs) but uh, yeah, no, I just I really like how so many different things he talks about. He it doesn't go into like super deep detail and like could just be reads the Wikipedia page real well, but like it wasn't really as prevalent in 2004, but still you get what I mean. But it's just, it's the accuracy is good and, and understanding yeah. just those little things, you know, like, you know, Oh man, it's like someone said big Beth, you know, I don't know. Just, mm-hmm. I, I like no, the, li- I like the little stuff. It's the details, but we discussed this about how he does. He's great with the details. Mm-hmm. And this interaction with Emma is another great with the details. So he goes out and basically he realizes now he's got a window of time that he can do some investigating while we wait for the shoot to start back up. So he's going to go talk to Emma and see what Emma's got cooking. And the juxtaposition of this description of an attractive woman and a non-attractive woman that we saw with Joan versus Emma. She was actually very pretty. She had the kind of beauty that seemed to convey a sense of personal warmth, of kindness, a face best suited to smiling. Her eyes were shamrock green, her skin pale, her hair long and red, highlighted with streaks of sunny gold. She wore jeans with a black sweater and made them both look inviting, but she wasn't smiling. 
Like, I don't know. It's like, it. it's not in and it of itself. It's not right. bad. It's just. Stylistically, it doesn't match necessarily the rest of how he writes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just. It pops. It's odd. Um, and I, you know, going back to the conversations we've had with a lot of the listeners you know, and you yourself, of course, of the ogre. Who is our ogre? Uh, or the troll. The troll. Uh, yeah. I know who you're talking about. I don't remember his name, though. Of our changeling come troll back in uh, Summer Night, you know, when I thought he really wasn't going to help Mer- uh, Meryl because Meryl. There we go. she wasn't attractive. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing directly in the text that says that. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's the way he reacts to pretty people versus yeah. how he reacts to un- you know less attractive people is why I thought that. And again, I'm, I, I got some very, there were some very compelling arguments about how difficult the situation was and how loaded his plate was. And, Oh, they had just attacked him, right? So I, I totally get all of that, and I don't think any of you guys are wrong for suggesting that. Um, like I said, my, my textual evidence is really just the comparison in how he treats other people, and that's why I brought you know again this. It is yikesy to me because Joan doesn't get this long, flowery paragraph, and it's in and of itself, it's not bad to give people long, flowery paragraphs. But when you're only doing it to pretty people. And you kind of like shit on the less attractive people. I think that's notable personally. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm wrong. You guys have listened to me for six months. You, you, you know, I'm wrong plenty. I'm okay. To, I'm okay with that. But that's kind of what that paragraph made me feel. If that makes that's sense. Interesting. Um, we get someone else talking positively of Arturo. He seems to just be a genu- genuinely good dude. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she calls him a softy, and basically, it's because Harry said he. She asked why Harry's here. And he said, well, I'm, a friend introduced me to Arturo, told him I needed a job. And it's like, yeah, of course, that, that, that fits. That's Arturo for you, you know? Touch on her, the scarring that's going to happen to Giselle. A lot of people mention Giselle's scars. Yeah, or, which don't even exist yet. Because <laughs> she's still, right? she's still she dying. Could, yeah, she could still die. It's just an interesting focus. When you're doing CPR on someone for six or seven minutes, they don't often come back. Right. And mercifully, it seems like she will, but Mm -hmm. the scars come up again. Again, And that's kind of fits into that conversation I had earlier about like not really knowing how to uh, talk about how great he was at all the things he could research. It's probably best that he didn't go spend a lot of time researching sex work, but imagine Daniel Day Lewis. If he was a novelist, he would spend 10 years as a PA on porn sets just for this. A hundred (laughs) percent. And then kind of out of nowhere, because Harry says it could have been worse, referring to the scars, mm. clearly meaning she could have died. Or at least that's how I took yeah, it. That's how I took it. As yeah, well. I do give Harry the benefit of the doubt on this one. And then she gets all uppity about, you don't approve of her profession? Like, what? I, di- I didn't say that. Seriously. Um, and uh, yeah, she basically just goes on to talk about hypocritical bastards who pass judgment on mm-hmm. her line of work and stuff like that. And, you know, she's just sick of people telling me how bad my work is for me, how it corrupts my soul, that I should abandon it, abandon it and give my life to God. And he says, you're not going to believe me, but I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> I really like that. 
Yeah. And her response is great too. The you're right. I don't believe you. (laughs) And here's where I referenced this conversation earlier, where Emma's phone rings and it's very clearly her daughter or her child asking for an extra cookie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, if Gracie says you get one cookie, you only get one. She's the boss. And we learn a little bit. Yeah. She's got two kids. Their grandma's with them. And he says, I never really thought about actresses with children. Not many do. And then the, does, uh, does their father mind your career? Uh, her eyes flashed hotly because of course they do. Whether or not he's involved, that's a strange question to ask someone. Um, definitely one of those Nunya situations. Mm-hmm. Business. But he, we learn that the father's not involved with them or with her. I liked about Emma is, um, We've discussed this in the past about the, I don't even know if she's going to be a main character, but like the idea of the secondary characters and have such development and have so much depth. Uh huh. And I really like how we know, we know nothing about Emma, but we know that she's a mom. We know that she's a single mom and that her mom helps take care of her kids. And we kind of, we see a little bit about her in that she hears shit for doing, for what, for the job that she does. And I think that's kind of, that's, again, this is just the, this development of this character, much like the um, church mice. Yeah. All of the information we got. I really, really like those this. small interactions that give you a whole yeah. lot of character. Uh, uh-huh. I really, really do like it. I think it's great. There's a YouTube channel I really like, and it was based on, there's another one that's called Cinema Sins, which is basically everything bad about movies, and it goes through and shows, you know, breaks them down. and. This guy's take on that was, well, I love movies. So let's do cinema wins. So um, it's actually a pretty big channel on the dudes. I, I, I love his, his angle. It's, it's just a very positive, like, you, you can think things aren't great, but still enjoy them. And you just, yeah, this is what I like. And so he was going through and it, I was watching an older one where he was talking about uh, one of the prequels, Star Wars Episode 3. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's just the one immediately after when Padme tells Anakin she's pregnant and his face goes through like 714 different emotions in a row. <laughs> and just like such great, you learn so much about that, those characters and their relationship literally without words, but just mm-hmm. like, and it was just so real. And you, you, you can yeah. like, that's something that it works really well in that one shot, but it just something that Butcher's so good at is you learn, you can get these little tidbits, this tiny slice of someone's life. And you learn so much about them. I mean, what was the Francisca mm-hmm. Garcia, right? Like she was in one, name, one, yeah. one scene and she died. She had like three lines, you know, I was just like, yeah. I know her whole life story. And I miss that gal. Yeah. Um, and that's just like such a talented storyteller. It, it just, it is really cool. You know, oh, how much definitely. we get on Emma here for sure. Like you're saying, I really like it. You know, I really appreciate how he creates these characters, even these you know, secondary type characters. Mm-hmm. And this was very, that was what I was thinking when I was listening to this part of this book, where it was just like, I really appreciate that. And I know we've talked about how much we appreciate this yeah. a million times, but this very much is kind of to reiterate that where this is cool. Sorry. I went on a tangent. Hmm. No, that's great. So we get a little bit more kind of lore here about the Malokio which is mm-hmm. the, the evil eye um, entropy curse. 
in, uh, that we're discussing here. Mm-hmm. And just because he feels a buildup in energy doesn't necessarily mean it was the curse, right? Like, again, he uses the Cubs. <laughs> we have a world building I with the Cubs. I love that. You know, the, the, but so the, sometimes it's positive, like at a baseball game, right? Something like that. Um, sometimes it's, you know, there's tragic events and just basically people's emotions and feelings matter, right? We've seen that in this universe. That is really the only difference between Harry's universe and ours is that your will has power. You know, like your, mm-hmm. your will has, has things connect, you know, a direct result connected to it. And that's how magic manifests. That's how all these things happen. But just even though he just felt it right before the incident, that what doesn't necessarily rule out that it was a coincidence. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, there, <laughs> he goes on a long, uh, I'm going to read the whole thing. It's funny. There is a whole spectrum of magical energies that are difficult to define or understand. There are thousands of names for them in every culture, mana, psychic energy, totem, juju, chi, bioetherial power, the force, the soul. It's an incredibly complex system of interweaving energy that influences good old mother earth around us, but it all boils down to a fairly simple concept. It happens. But then again, other people around Arturo had been hurt. I could buy that light, lightning could strike once, but if I hadn't interfered, it would have hit four times. Not much chance for coincidence. Then. So I, I like that he kind of goes through that. It's like, look, that's not rule out coincidence, but let's think through this. And it just yeah. really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And one thing that he does find out is, you know, just because it had ignored Harry, Joan, Jake, Bobby, and Emma, and gone directly at Giselle. And Arturo wasn't even in the house yet. So Arturo was definitely not the target of the Malocchio. The women around him were, which is interesting. The other thing that just my investigator brain was working, thinking, what else do they have in common? Who else was around when these women died? You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously that would be one of the next steps you'd look at. Yeah. Try to find another through line. Exactly. And it was just kind of one of those, it was just like a curiosity that my brain just di- went directly to. <laughs> yeah, but we know that one was his assistant who went out to the car mm-hmm. and the other was, I don't remember who she was to him, but she was mm-hmm. water skiing at the time. Um, so it does seem to be hitting the women specifically, but you're, yes. you're right. What like Arturo is Arturo, the absolutely only connection in these people's lives. Maybe not. Yes. And that's something that we need to look into for certain. He mentioned the ex-wives so early on in the process mm-hmm. that that's not, you know, they're still naturally our people of interest, but Madge and Trisha are both involved in the business mm-hmm. and we don't know enough about Lucille yet. The second ex-wife, but it seems to be a bit of a dead end. Mm-hmm. He decides to head back to his office. We, we see this happen a lot. Um, it came up as early as Stormfront, right? Where he's talking about, you can't like accidentally do really powerful magic. Mm-hmm. You really need to mean it and you have to have like discipline guiding it at its target. And so this has to be someone with some real juice and they probably need something to focus the spell, right? Whether hair, mm-hmm. clippings, stuff like that. So it's probably not someone on a whim, which I mean, most murders 
you wouldn't automatically expect that, right? But yeah, this is like someone methodical. It's it's a serial killer at this point, right? So mm-hmm. they have all all levels of crazy. We need to get. Uh... Hello, my name is fuck's his name. Inigo Montoya. Inigo Montoya. We need to get Inigo Montoya on the case. Um, <laughs> but you know, vengeance is is good for some of that explosive power, but. I like how he breaks it down to it's probably greed. Mm-hmm. It's a nice his line. That's a nice sterile motivation. If the money's right, you don't even know someone need to know someone to take advantage of them. You don't have to hate them or love them or be related. You don't even have to know who they are. You just, <laughs> you just have to want money more than you want them to keep on breathing, which is a uh, very accurate description of, of greed, right? Like, yeah, but who would gain? And we find out, he thinks maybe Silverlight Studios. We don't really know anyone there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good place to get started, and we'll kind of see where we go. But I like I like these scenes that we don't get often enough of him kind of just kicking around ideas and trying to break. I and mean, we get them all the time, but they're just you still can't get them enough. I love them. Or him actually solving the cases, or you know, going through the the nuts and bolts of how you get to solve a case. Right. Mm-hmm. A lot of times when he solves it, he says. Things clunked together in my head or all, all, it all made sense. Stuff like that, you know? Yeah. I like this where we get the process of that, right? Over time is very cool. But, uh, of course, because the way things work, it can never be simple. He opens his office door and before he can go in, he feels something cold and hard pressed against the back of his neck. Yeah, I love this. I, I really do. And apparently a gun held to the back of my head engenders a sense of fellowship and goodwill in the depths of my soul. I cooperated. So this unidentified gunman push, pushes him into the office, makes him cover his eyes, and they have a little bit of banter back and forth. And we realize it is everybody's favorite mercenary, Kincaid. Everybody's or yours? I think it's everybody's favorite mercenary. <laughs> um, and K- Kincaid has encased Harry in a circle of salt with blood uh, to increase the power. And Harry said, I didn't expect to hear from you until tomorrow. Rolling stones and moss, baby. The mercenary responded. I was going through Atlanta when I got your message. Wasn't hard to get a direct flight here. What's with the Gestapo treatment? He shrugged. You're a pretty unpredictable guy, Dresden. I don't mind making a social call, but I needed assurance that that you were really you. I do like how Kincaid is that balance of that brute force, but also he has a lot of knowledge. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's been hanging out with Ivy, so that makes sense. He has to have some understanding of it in order to be able to keep her safe. Oh, absolutely. Uh, he doesn't fuck around. Yeah. I'm here to talk business, not to die of stupidity. If you like, think of the precautions as a compliment. <laughs> because nothing says flattery like a gun to the head. Ain't that God's own truth. <laughs> Dresden, I'm just plain folks. I'm still alive because I don't take stupid chances or walk blindly into them. So he explains that there's a scourge. Mavra's Black Court scourge. And he seems to know her. A cagey old hag. I hear she heads up a a pretty big crew. Yeah, I'm going to downsize them. (laughs) I love that. And Black Court are tough to take down. Unless you can find them in in their coffins. I can find them. And then they go back and forth and they kind of figure out that Harry wants Kincaid there. 
Kincaid says, okay, I've got, it's going to cost Harry a lot of money too. Harry asks for a coupon. <laughs> but Kincaid tells him he has two conditions. I want at least one more set of eyes along someone good in a fight. Why? Because if someone gets, gets hurt, it takes two people to get him out alive. One to carry him and one to lay down cover fire. I didn't think you cared. Of course I do, he said. The wounded guy might be me. Fine, I said. The second, what's the second condition? You need to understand that if you try to stiff me, I'll have to protect my, protect my interests. Don't get me wrong. It's just business. Nothing personal. And then Harry mentions his, the death curse. So I'd use a rifle at a thousand yards. The bullet outruns its own sonic boom, and you'd never even hear the shot. You'd be dead before you realized what happened. Oopsie. And this leads Harry into this kind of thought process. Holy shit. That makes sense. See, Kincaid doesn't fuck around. (laughs) Very much so. But we knew that. And as he's walking out, Harry says, hey, Kincaid. Just plain folk, I asked. Yeah. Not supernatural? I wish. Vanilla mortal. You're a liar. His features smooth into a neutral mask. Excuse me? I said, you're a liar. I saw you during the fight at Wrigley, Kincaid. You fired a dozen shots, on the move, and dodging bad guys the whole time. What's so supernatural about that? In a fight, just plain folks miss sometimes. Maybe most times. You didn't miss once. What's the point of shooting if you're just going to miss? I love that line. I'm as human as you are, Dresden. I'll see you later. That's, I'm as human as you are, Dresden. Mm-hmm. Are we sure Dresden is fully human? I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. And he is hangs out with the one that knows all. Who's that? Oh, I, the archive. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about Harry. I was like, no, 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 no. Is Harry hanging out? And Kate hangs out. Yeah, I thought that was interesting, though. I didn't know whether to feel better or worse. On one hand, he was an experienced gunman and absolutely deadly in a fight. Human or not, I might need someone like that with me when I confronted Mavra. On the other hand, I had no idea how I'd be able to pay him, and I believed him when he said he'd assassinate me. (laughs) (laughs) But I also, he says, the threat of a death curse that could be levied against a wizard slayer was a major asset. It meant that anyone or anything that tried to attack a member of the White Council would hesitate, unwilling to risk the burst of destructive power a wizard could release in the last instance of his life. But those instants would be too slow against a high-powered sniper round fired from ambush. I could imagine it. A flash and a thump on the back of my head, a split second of surprise, and then blackness before I could even realize the need to pronounce my curse. Kincaid was right. It could work. The tactical doctrine of the powers that be in the magical communities of the world tended to run along a couple of centuries behind the rest of the planet. It was entirely possible that the senior most wizards of the White Council had never even considered the possibility. Ditto for the vampires. But it could work. So that throws a whole wrench into the whole magical mystery tour that we have going on here. (laughs) So Harry goes about doing a little bit more research for Arturo's issues. And... Harry's worried about Arturo's issues. He's worried about getting enough money to keep his own hired thug from putting holes in his skull. What? 
But for most people, it would be a desperate situation, but most people hadn't been through them as many times as I had. My worry and tension slowly grew, and as they did, I took a perverse comfort in the familiar emotions. It felt good to feel my survival instincts put me on guard against premature mortality. Child spells. Is that insane or what? Love that. He, the crazier it gets, the better he is. Yeah, and we've really seen that. That's, that is true. Yeah, it is. It is. There are just certain people who are good under stress. For sure. Here's a fun dated conversation about a long distance phone bill. Oh, yes. I love that. Which is funny. Um, I thought I just, it was spectacular. That and how the internet description is so spectacular. Well, that is actually something I was about to agree with here is that computers answered every phone call. Yeah. And everyone you talk to refers them to their website. 100%. God damn it. The uh, phone trees. Yes. Drive me absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. They're exper- currently experiencing a higher volume of calls. Oh, God. Then hire a goddamn human being to answer the fucking calls. <laughs> <sighs> it's just such bullshit. And it's a perfect exa- example of just capitalism. Yeah. You don't give a fuck about how people, any person involved, it's more just shuffle us like cattle to the right number to push. And it drives me insane and I hate it and it hurts my soul. Uh, what were we talking about again? Stabbing people in the neck? Uh, long distance phone calls. Uh, similar, similar energy. Um, so while he wasn't able to talk to a ton of people, uh, he was able to at least get the home pages and get some information written down. So he heads over to see Murphy over at SI. And we see our Snoopy doll that we used as the puppet for the Luke Guru mm-hmm. back in Full Moon that the puppy is attacking. The, na- the puppy with, a, with no name. Yes. Is dragging around attacking, which is funny. I did notice that. And I was like, oh. Please. <laughs> Puppies are just so adorable. I want a puppy. Uh, we see that Murphy's not doing a very good job babysitting, but the puppy is occupied with Snoopy, so he should be fine. <laughs> yeah, he says, hey, start, start installing. Nice moves on Murphy today. The way you slammed her foot with your stomach was inspiring. Yes, I love that. Entertain me. I was just. Oh, absolutely. That I mean, it was that is a pretty great little. Uh, exchange exactly and so stallings points her to murphy she's in her office because she's she already said she's doing paperwork all day and we know what kind of a go get them action type personality murphy has so mm-hmm. naturally that would be her least favorite part of the job and so she's sitting there obviously so she's sitting there ready to tear someone's head off yes and he asks stalling to buzz to buzz murphy and he says i plan to retire you do it <laughs> <laughs> i love that they know her Murphy is going to be pissed off and I don't want to be the one to get one in the uh, uh, crossfire crosshairs. Yes. That's what it is. He goes and he knocks on the door. (laughs) Murphy's already pissed. God damn it. I said, Oh, (laughs) obviously she's frustrated with the, you know, her paperwork, but she definitely doesn't seem like Murphy. You know, he says she stopped by to get the dog. Yeah. She seems a little out of it. And, We've seen her do this before where she tells him to back away when she's doing stuff with her computer. Mm-hmm. Which I would too. Absolutely. 
She's been working probably for hours on this shit. And he he walks in and he's like, no, 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 no. Do not fuck with this. Right? <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah. No, full stop. But what really tips him off is she says, he, where he says, okay, I'll be going. And she says, whatever, and shuts her door. He says, Murphy's not a whatever sort of person. Even when he saw her after getting her brain scrambled, she was remote, but not angry. Mm-hmm. And so he just puts himself back into the line of fire here and, and says, I'm not an analyst or anything, but you look like something's bother you, bothering you. Just maybe. She said, it's this paperwork. No, it isn't. <laughs> she said, I don't want to talk about it. Maybe you need to. You're about two steps shy of psychotic right now. <laughs> yeah, you know, we've talked about these interactions before, but mm-hmm. where they really do deeply care about each other. And so, you know, this is a good example of that for sure. Yeah. I was, oh, I'm sorry if you had a shitty day. Like, I'm, you know, I'm sorry I left you the dog and just added to it. And she's like, no, he was great. Quiet as a mouse all day long, even use the papers. Aww. So he says again, you know, are you sure you don't want to talk? And she says, not here. Walk with me. So I do like that just because it's Snickers in particular. And I know it's an ad campaign and I'm a slave to a good ad campaign. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm just such a sucker, <laughs> but, but, uh, you know, the hungry, you need a, need a Snickers. Yeah. But any, when you're hungry, any of those, you know, their last five or seven different campaigns, mm-hmm. but where she's having a rough day, she doesn't say anything till she eats a Snickers. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny to me. Yeah. I liked it. But her mom called and her sister, Lisa, is engaged. Her baby sister. The bitch. What a bitch. Uh, (laughs) So I have three older sisters. And you may think this is a ridiculous thing to say, but let me tell you, when Murphy says she did this on purpose with the reunion this weekend, she knew exactly what she was doing. You might think if you don't have sisters, well, that's a ridiculous thing to say, Murphy. No one would actually say that. If you do have sisters, let me tell you, I didn't bat an eye at that. <laughs> she yeah, truly I, believed- I didn't either. I'm not the sister who would say that either. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She, tr- she truly believes that her sister got engaged on purpose to fuck with her shit. To fuck with Murphy. <laughs> yeah. It is entertaining. Oh, because sisters are crazy. <laughs> either way. I just love that line. Yeah. I was like, oh no, that I absolutely can see that. Yeah, no, 100%. She did, she probably did do it on purpose. <laughs> so the fact that I can tell you, she didn't 100% not do it on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> Timing of when she announced it. Oh. So yeah, we just, again, get more background. She's Irish Catholic and she's been divorced twice, which is a big deal. You know, she and her mom aren't really close right now. And she doesn't love her career. Her mom, Mama Murphy, doesn't love uh, Karen's career. Mm-hmm. It's quite one of the reasons why she tries to dodge this reunion every year. And I get it. I get it. He says, and if your baby sister is suddenly more like your mom than you are, what? It threatens your relationship with her? No, not like that. Not really. And sort of. It's complicated. <laughs> I can see that. And this is like a legit concern. I mean, this is a common trope or story beat in a lot of cop stories, right? Where they kind of, the more they see and especially detectives, right? The more you see and the more like 
of the evil of the world and the gross and the terrifying, you don't want your family to be involved in that. So you pull away and you pull away and you pull away. I mean, you've seen it in dozens and dozens of movies and stories just like this. Well, it's Um, the philosophy that you don't want the stink of your job to get onto others. Yeah. And you don't often see it with a female cop. Very true. Which I think is very, is kind of cool. Um, and it's obviously the same though, right? She talks about how she's seen so much. She's learned so much more about what's really happening that it's hard to be close to people. I can Im- and we've only s- imagine like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. And we've seen that with Harry as well. I think that's a big part of why they're so close now is their shared experiences. Mm-hmm. Like, she can't go home and, you know, tell a, she can't go tell a Tinder date at the bar about (laughs) the, like the demon monster she fought yesterday, you know, and you can't unload. And so you, you, you just bottle it all up and it, it, you know, leads to moments like this where she's taking it out on her friends. And even she took a moment to really figure out why, you know? So again, we just see this back and forth with, with Murph where she doesn't know what to do. Harry's obviously not, a great advice giver here, but he's what she needs now is just unload all of this. Yeah. But she doesn't know, like if she goes to the reunion, she's going to fight with her mom and, and her sister. And it's going to be a whole to do. And people are going to talk. If she doesn't go to the reunion, she's going to hurt her mom's feelings. And people, and people are going to talk, talk. <laughs> all the cousins and uncles and all that garbage. Right. So it, she's just in a lose, lose situation because yeah. she's chosen her career and, a career that's very wants, important to her, but it does affect exactly. her personal life. Definitely. Yeah. You know, she said she hasn't been on a date in a couple of years. It's a difficult spot for her. And she quite frankly doesn't want to go, you know, have someone shove in her face that she's single. And like, like she knows, she knows what she's missing out on. She's choosing to do that to be a cop, you know, to, mm-hmm. to do her job, especially at, at SI place that she having someone like her is making Chicago infinitely safer. And so she knows she's doing a good thing, but it's, it's tough to kind of always have that conversation as well. And that's, that's a good description of it for sure. So he says, you you, you have to talk to your mom. She says, you're probably right. So I'm not going to kill you for shoving your well-intentioned opinion down my throat in a vulnerable moment. Just this once. That's decent of you. (laughs) You're a good friend putting up with this crap. I'll make it up to you sometime. You should say that. <laughs> he asked her to hop on the internet and take a look at all the uh, sites and info he wrote down, but he couldn't follow up on. And she says she'll take care of it. He's still looking for the vampires, but he got some some backup. Ooh, a guy named Can- Kincaid. He's tough. A wizard? No. A soldier of fortune types. Uh, is he clean? So far as I know, what are you talking about? No, he's not clean. (laughs) He's absolutely not clean. He's the guy you call when you got to go murder some vampires, Murphy. It's not, he's not a choir boy. Far as he knows. I do like that. That's true. though. That is important. It's not a lie. (laughs) He doesn't know anything about his record. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He takes the puppy and explains to him his Theory about f- familial dementia on his way down the stairs. It's just a theory, mind you. Let's get, let's get support of a ton of empirical evidence. I love it. Family troubles weren't something I had. Were family troubles were something I hadn't ever had. 
wouldn't ever have. Murphy's problems with family might have been complicated and unpleasant, but at least they existed. Every time I thought I'd gotten through my orphan baggage, something like this came up. Maybe I didn't want to admit how much it still hurts. Not even to myself. My theory is just a theoretical, he told the pup. Because how the hell should I know? I do love that he's selling the dog. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, You're the only clever one around that'll listen. Right? It's fantastic. So he heads back to set, and because a beaten-up old rabbit had lost a game of bumper tag with a Suburban, traffic had been backed up for a mile. <laughs> so he was, he was late. A vaguely familiar girl with a clipboard met me at the door. She wasn't old enough to drink, but made up for a lack of maturity with what I could only describe as a gratuitous amount of perkiness. (laughs) And she is the associate PA, Inari. And they have a little bit of banter about food and pizza and... um, She tells him that Arturo would like to speak to him. So he heads in to Arturo, gives her the dog to keep an eye on. And she says, oh, I love dogs. And she has a high-pitched voice that only, high-pitched reaction that only a girl could have. And he does the two-cheek huggy thing that he, uh, he refers to it as the manly European affection. And they start discussing the evil eye. They start start discussing everything that happened. Mm-hmm. And Arturo says, I-, "I can't. I can't. What do I do? I can't allow any of these people to be harmed. And they only have two more days left to shoot." And Harry tells him, "Then you should ask yourself how willing you are to let ambition get someone killed." Then weigh it against how willing you are to let someone scare you out of living your life. Or maybe lives, plural. You're right when you, you say you aren't choosing only for yourself. How can I make that choice? Look, Oturo, you need to decide if you are protecting these people or leading them. There's a big difference. They are adults. I am not their father, but I cannot ask them to risk themselves if they do not wish to. I will tell them they are free to leave, should they choose, with no ill will. But you will stay? He nodded firmly. Leader, then. Next thing you know, Arturo, I'll be buying you a big round trip. Next thing you know, Arturo, I'll be buying you a big round table. It took him a second, but he laughed. I see. Arthur and Merlin. Your advice is good for a young man. You have good judgment. You haven't seen my car. I like how even in these serious moments, Harry is still cracking jokes. And... Of course. The door flew open and a living goddess of a woman stormed into the office. She was maybe five foot four and had brilliant, lush, blonde, highlighted red hair that fell to the small of her back. She wore only high-heeled pumps and a matching dark green two-piece set of expensive-looking designer lingerie, translucent enough to defeat the purpose of wearing clothing at all. It displayed all kinds of pleasant proportions of tanned, athletic female. And she's a bitch, and this is Trish. She's not very nice. She 
her name is Trixie Vixen. It's been legally changed. And she's pissed off because he's brought in another star. If you think you are going to split this feature between two stars, you are sadly mistaken. That isn't going to happen at all. But with Giselle Hurt, I had to find someone else. And on such short notice. Don't patronize me. Lara is retired. Re-ti-ered. This film is mine. She needs to be punched in the face. Um... And it won't be an issue. She has agreed to to a mask and a pseudonym. You are the star, Trisha. That has not changed. Fine, then. As long as we understand each other. We do. <laughs> she threw her hair back over her shoulder, a gesture filled with arrogance, and glared at me. Who is this? And then she calls Harry. Larry asks where his latte, her latte is. And she's just a bitch. She really is. She turns she to leave. She is no not, no not nice. She turns to leave. And a woman that made Trixie, Trixie Vixen look like the ugly stepsister appeared in the door and blocked the starlet's exit. I had to force myself <laughs> not to stare. He gives this description of this woman. Dark hair, violet eyes, violet and gray eyes. And we learn that this is Lara. Harry is primarily attracted to her. Laura scares Trisha, and it's fantastic. I fucking love it. It's great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Trish, you know, sweeps out the door in a bitchy line. Uh, and Lara says, Keep in touch, Trish. Exit scene. It must be. I, just love, I love Laura. Her um, just antagonizing. Oh yeah, so just good. poking the bear. Trixie Vixen fled. At least as much as someone wobbling away on six inch heels can flee. The dark haired woman watched her with a smug smile on her mouth and then said, "Exit scene. It must be a diff- It must be difficult to be the center of the universe." Good afternoon, Arturo. <laughs> I love it. And you can tell that Lara and Arturo are good friends. And he chides her, you shouldn't tease her like that. And Harry begins putting up a barrier to shield his inappropriate thoughts. And we learn that she got brought on to help because they're good friends. And she's also checking in on Arturo because he's forgotten his high blood pressure medication. But Joan is taking care of him. And then we learn that. Inara is her sister. And Lara is the creeper in this. She's old enough to perform now, if she wishes. Lara. I'm not saying she should, dear fool. Only that my baby sister makes, their, makes her own choices now. And then she eyes Harry. And who is this? Tall, dark, and silent. I like him already. Harry. <laughs> meet Lara Romani. Uh, Harry, Harry, Lara Romani, meet Harry, our new production assistant. He just started today, so be kind to him. That shouldn't be too hard. Uh, and then she used to take him downstairs to take get his medicine. And Harry says, oh, I need to make a quick call. I'll be right behind you. The two of them left. Lara threw another look at me over her shoulder, her expression speculative. And hot. I mean, wow. 
If she crooked her finger, I think I would have been in danger of floating off the floor and drifting along behind her on a cloud of her perfume. Me and Peppy <laughs> Le Pew. Pretty, pale, supernaturally sexy, and just a little scary. I could do the math. And I was willing to bet the Romani wasn't Lara's last name. She looked a hell of a lot more like a wraith. Son of a bitch. The white court was here. And so she is a succubus, or she could be a succubus. I went, I actually texted you this, but you were, I didn't realize your phone was dead. And as I was listening to this, I was like, Lara Romani, is she a gypsy? Because Romani gypsies, they're, you know, they're supposed to be. Yeah, I can't getting called that anymore. But, but <laughs> I'm saying that in the lore, they were, they had mystical powers. They were psychics. They okay. were, you know, and that was one of those like, oh, is she? Is she a Romani? Or fortune tellers and Fortune stuff. tellers, exactly. And then he said white court, and I was like, ah, shit. I mean, she could be either. A little bit of both. So in addition to a feisty new black court partner in the war dance between the council and the vampire's courts, I also got angry less bunny movie stars, deadly curses, and a thoroughly embarrassing job as my investigative cover. Oh, and bean curd pizza, which is just wrong. What a mess. I made a mental note. The next time I saw Thomas, I was going to punch him right in the nose. I love that. I really do. <laughs> it's spectacular. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so again, it's, it is funny. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you mentioned it. The There's not as much action as you'd think no. in a lot of these. And that's great. I love the, I love the characters stuff. I love the uh, detective stuff. Murphy's family crisis is amusing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's really good stuff. Yeah. So, uh, do you have anything else on that chapter in particular, or should not we, on that uh, chapter? But I have other things. All right, well, let's hop into some analysis. <laughs> Imagine the Wayne's World music. Fair enough. That's just what pops into my head when I. <laughs> Wayne's World. Party time. Excellent. Um, this... All right. Chapter seven was we, our introduction to Joan and Jake and Bobby. Mm -hmm. Any thoughts? Any. Oh, yes. Any, any questions or lore on that sub section? Look, what do you got? don't worry about Bobby. He'll come down once he figures out his stage name. Stage name? Yeah, I think that's what has got him all nervous. This is only his second shoot. He's got until next week to figure out his, his performing name. Performing name, huh? Don't make fun of it. Names have power, man. <laughs> I did like that, yeah. Mm -hmm. A good name inspires confidence. It's important for a young guy. Like Dumbo's magic feather. <laughs> that was a big one. I was like, oh, fuck. Well, I just like also that Harry's like, oh, do they? Yeah. Like, do names have power? <laughs> yeah. Oh, do they? Really? Cool. I, I, I thought that was funny. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm wondering, too, about Jake. Okay. I don't know what I'm wondering, but I'm wondering. 
Wondering something. Something. <laughs> I'm wondering what his knowledge base is or if he's just going to die. There's that okay. too. So. <laughs> Certainly always possible. And yes, this is how my brain works on a regular basis to everyone out there in podcast land. This is how my brain works. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like it. I mean, no, I'm definitely glad you caught that one because that was a, I really like. I that thought one. that was fantastic. Any thoughts on Bobby or Joan? Bobby's a fucking moron. Uh, Joan oh, kind of is she's the line producer. She knows more. She knows everything. Is my guess. <laughs> I've worked with line producers before, and they always know everything. They have all the all the power in the universe. You don't. Fair you enough. don't want to piss off the line producer. But yeah, um, I feel like, and this is again speculation. Is he gonna kill? Is he gonna kill off Emma? I feel like I like Emma. Emma's a strong chick. She's got kids. She gonna die? I don't know. Interesting. It's my that was my uh, what's his face moment. Oh, you're giving us all this information. You're making us like this ca- character, giving us background. Motherfucker, <laughs> is she going to die? So that was my oh, no, thought process on that. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's my uh, general thought process there. And I'm also, from an investigative standpoint, um, my first thought was... Who was with each of these women when they died? I want names. Yeah, I want to learn more about that yeah. for sure. Because one of the things he says that it's easier to, fo- to focus on someone when you have a body part and the likelihood of them having a body part of each of these people, because they're not all actors. If they were all actors, you could go with makeup, you could go with costumes, but they're not all actors. Mm-hmm. They were, there was an assistant, there was a PA, I think was the other one, but they all are connected to Arturo. But from what it sounds like, Arturo wasn't there in each incident. We know he wasn't here this morning. So is there someone else that is there that is maybe a conduit? Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm mixing my worlds of, uh, real life like forensic investigation and well no that's that's, that's one of the angles that i really <laughs> i really like when we i like when we get these mysteries because that's why i ask mm-hmm. these things um that's great um what about the next scene with the actual curse where it hits emma or it hits giselle rather mm-hmm. um any other thoughts or questions on that one it reminded me very much of the aftermath of when they got the entropy curse um, because it wasn't just a one-off. It was the glass, the light, the water. It was, you know, it was a multiple thing. It was a, it's a twofer. The glass didn't get her the, the, the light will. Yeah. And the hot water, and the hot water too is why she fell into the yeah, glass. So it's right. A, it's a threefer. That's right. Yeah. Definitely um, a lot going on there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, my, my big thoughts on that chapter, all my notes are about the this, this CPR stuff, which we kind of touched on as we went, but definitely good stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, you know, all the victims have been women so far. Yes. 
why Giselle of the three women is certainly mm-hmm. something else to think about. You know, there were there were three women in the building, and it all this stuff happened to Giselle. Um, although maybe Jake, maybe Jake also could have gotten into some trouble there because he was going to be the next one in there. That's actually my big question: is was Jake around in each of these incidences? Ooh, okay. I like that for sure. Definitely the guy that shows up all kind and friendly is yeah, not often doesn't often end that way. Okay. You know, or it could be an un- unintentional sort of thing because you know, that does happen where he could have been, he could be the one that is unintentionally channeling this, um, this, um, power. Okay. Sure. You're not saying as a bad, as a bad guy, you're saying, I'm saying he could as- be a bad guy. Okay. But I'm also saying that he could be just present. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, anything on Emma or you know, that, that conversation um, they had about her, her having her kids? I just don't want her to die. Um. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I honestly don't remember which characters make it and which ones yeah. don't. Cause well, and that's the thing. Cause he, together. he does like to kill people off. Of course. Um, but I, but I, I, I kind of dig her character. She, I, I, the other thing I wanted to point out, this is probably should have gone in a little bit. It's, I mean, I guess it's overall analysis. I really do like the way Butcher approaches the sex industry here. Yeah. While it's not, there's no creepy, you've got bitchy actresses, you've got sweet actresses. But you've got those everywhere. You've got douchebag actors. You've got kind actors. You've got just people who work on set. Yeah. I really appreciate that he didn't give it a creep factor. Because that yeah, is it's just so, a job. It's just a job, man. Exactly. It's so easy for a writer to make it creepy. But it's just their filmmakers that happen to have sex. And I really appreciated that. And that's why I didn't see, I didn't feel a yikes factor from Harry's approach to it because it's just foreign to Harry. It's not that he's being a creeper or a perv or inappropriate. It's just foreign to him. And he is a bit of a prude in this regards. No, he absolutely is for sure. But that was the thing. I really appreciated that because it wasn't the cliche where Arturo's a creeper or anything like that. I really didn't. I do appreciate that immensely. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really, until we meet Trisha, who's supposed to be like the worst, there really isn't even that type of character, yeah. you know, like the walking around sexy and you know, just like trying to use, use her wiles or whatever, um, which would be really easy to, uh, to fall into for sure. Yeah. Um, I know you're excited to get Kincaid back. Yes. I love him. <laughs> Give him Shiro's sword already. I have very strong feelings about this. I'm, I'm <laughs> into it. Um, Kincaid and then the Murphy chapter. Anything else on Murph? We kind of went through that pretty I well. Through it really well. Yeah. Yikes. I really didn't feel like there were that many yikes. I think that Lana's 
Lana was the yikesiest about the kid. I think she was just saying she's 18 now. She's allowed to be on set. But no, that she she's can kinda... work. Well, I understood. She's, she's 18. She's on set. Like, you wouldn't have a... Yeah, I, think, I, I don't think she was saying she should. She was just saying she's 18 now. Like, tell her, you don't want her to be here. Tell her not to be yeah, here. That's, that's how, how I took it. Okay. Um, but, um, yeah, my one, I didn't like the, a lot of that conversation with Emma, but specifically the, does, uh, does their father mind your career? Like, yeah. Hey, but it could also your be that it was, he's trying to, uh, He's not good at conversation and she's just talking to his, her, her kids. He has no frame of reference for family. Oh yeah. No, I, yeah. This one, I don't even really put on. I, I don't think it's out of character or like, I think it, it's, it's just like one of those, like a, it's none of your business. B like, if it's yes, end of conversation. Yeah. Like if it's yes, you're like now being really affected, like getting into shit. If it's no end of conversation, it's just like, there's just no reason to ask that. And it's more just like Harry being a dope. Then I think it's like a huge problematic one. You know, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then there's a, the paragraph about the women getting hurt. That yeah. But that's just call me a Neanderthal. But that's also just Harry where we've kind of, it's, yeah, sort of again, his... it's, it's his accurate characterization. Yeah. It's just annoying. Like, shut up, dude. Like, because, but here's the thing. Um, if you replace women with weaker people, it's fine. It's because it's gendered. It's a little like, bro. Which you get, but that's the point, yeah. right? Like he, he automatically puts all women into this, this like, weak category, which taking, is so ridiculous. Needs to be taken care of. Because it's like, bucket. your partner is one of the strongest women. Where does this come from? You know? Yeah. So I mean, again, it, it's, I don't think it's the end of the world. No, it's just it's like not. more of that. It's, it's, it is, it's, it's misogyny it, without, without yeah. intention, the intention behind it. It's not like he's trying to go out of his way and like, oh, fuck women. Yeah. But like, you broke it down really well there, right? If you replace women with anything else, it becomes really clear yeah. what we're doing here. hundred percent. And that's why, and again, I, I, I don't feel really good about a gigantic dude beating up a, you know, a five foot tall woman. Like, obviously, right? Like, yeah. but that's not what he's saying here. Here, it's like anything happens to a girl. It, that's the I don't thing know. that bothers me because he so, very easily could just say people who are weaker. I hate it when they pick on people who are weaker, which, which is consistent with how much he hates bullies, yeah. right? So it, it actually makes sense, but. He puts all women into that just weakness yeah, bucket that it, it just problem. doesn't need to happen. Uh, and that's kind of really why it, it it stands out and is worth noting. Again, is it the worst thing I've seen in a Dresden, in a novel? No, not even in a Dresden novel. So it, it's okay. Yeah. It's just worth certainly that part of our um podcast has been missing paragraphs like that <laughs> in the last couple yeah. of weeks. So no, don't want to say it's good to have you back, but it, it definitely <laughs> is worth noting. Um Part of that, what uh, what do you have on the quote of the week front? Oh, I have several. I know you're shocked. I color me <laughs> bedazzled. All righty, let's get this going here. All right, I okay. So the first one, I mean, I'm easily entertained. You always a wise ass. No, sometimes I'm asleep. <laughs> I 
do that. That is a very good one. Mm-hmm. And then um, everyone's favorite mercenary. Uh, but it's funny how spending a lifetime as a hired gun makes you a little cynical. No fucking shit, bro. <laughs> I also really liked as human. I'm as human as you are, Dresden. It's not so funny so much as telling. It's definitely intriguing. Yes. Um. I'll, and I've got two from the scene with um. Actually, no, I'm just going to do this one. So I'm not going to kill you. You already said this one, but so I'm not going to kill you for shoving your well in, well-intentioned opinion down my throat in a vulnerable moment. Just this once. <laughs> and the last one was in the pizza discussion. I choose to exercise my status as an apex predator, and I laugh in the face of cholesterol. That might be <laughs> one of my favorite Harry type quotes. Yeah. It's just. That whole conversation. That back and forth with her was good. With Anari, there was good. Where he's like, "What do you want on your vegetarian pizza?" Right? <laughs> dead, dead pigs and cows. What? They're vegetarian. I like that. I really just, I really, but again, we talked about this about a million and six times. That I love the interactions, the the dialogue. It's really quite brilliant. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Um, <laughs> when uh, he was trying to decide to interview Emma or Bobby, and he said, I "Hold out much hope that anything in Bobby the bully's head would be important." So I focused on the woman. <laughs> um, and then the uh, get when he's knocking on Murphy's door, and she says, "Get more away! I can fight this computer all day long. I swear, if you blow out my hard drive again, I'm taking it out of your ass." <laughs> Why would your hard drive be in my ass? (laughs) He's such a snarky ass. Absolutely. Uh, So. um, And then I think all that's left on that front then would be to get you. Get us our. I kind of I kind of touched on it uh, in that. Kimpaid is as human as Harry is. Mm-hmm. And we've already discussed that we don't think Harry is completely human, or I don't think Harry is completely human. Um, and Jake, Jack, whatever his name is. That Jack Rockhart. Jake, Jake Guffey is his Jake. name. Yes. Uh, something's going down with that. I don't know if he's, like I said, the conduit. He's in on the bad guy shit. Or he's, not quite human, much like Lara isn't. Lara, okay. Lara, Lara, whatever we want to call her. So yeah, those are my. I mean, I, hey, you know who I didn't have a crackpot theory about this week? Who's that, Mister? <laughs> <laughs> Mister wasn't here, and I didn't. Uh, Fair enough. But I do love Kincaid. But I, I really that that line was very much. I'm as human as you are. And then he did a finger gun on his way out. Yeah, Yeah, no, for sure. So it was kind of like, huh? Interesting. But yeah. I definitely, definitely dig. Right. Mm -hmm. I think that just about takes us through it. It does. 
Unless you had anything else you wanted to... Uh... No, I think we got a lot in there. Good oh, absolutely. Good times had by all. <laughs> good times were in fact had. <laughs> so let me see what we'll get up to next week. We're obviously going to keep going Starting on Blood Rights. 13. Oh, shit. My book doesn't separate 18 and 19, so we'll have to go to 17. Works. Let's I mean, go to seven. Let's go to seventeen. Sounds good. Um, we have a bit of action next time. Sounds like a plan. My ebook here has chapters eighteen and nineteen in the same page. There's no separation. That's weird. It has like chapters two, three, and four all on one page, just because they were so short, right? But um, let's plan on getting through seventeen. Okay. Sounds like a plan. It kind of keeps together the next arc, which is important. All righty. And short of that, yeah. Got one more, a brand new, uh, I don't know how someone finds this months old thread on the uh, Dresden subreddit, but someone else reached out today on there and said, hey, I just found the pod. Looking forward to catching up, which is really cool. We appreciate you. Um, Welcome. They won't hear this for five months, but welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Unless they cram out, I'll cram it all in. That's true. I would always do that when I found a good podcast exactly. and I'd catch up and be so mad. Because you're like, I have to wait a whole week now. This is absurd. This sucks. Yeah, I understand that. How dare yeah. you? One of my favorite true crime <laughs> podcasts. I will just ignore it for a couple of weeks so that I have hours worth of listening. And then I catch up and it's like. Mm. <laughs> nice. It's all a mind game. Illustrious flow. Is our newbie, our newbie, illustrious Ooh. flow. Welcome to the pod, illustrious flow. Welcome to the um, crew. So, yeah, welcome to the team. But yeah, definitely continue to hit us up on. Um, you know, we're on I'm on Reddit, but also the the podcast was on fire at gmail dot com. The podcast was on fire at gmail com, mm-hmm. as well as all sociable things because we're a sociable crew. We try to be at least some days. So yeah, right. depends on the day. <laughs> thanks for hanging out with us we appreciate it absolutely thank you guys so much we will um catch you next week and catch you on the flip side. Yeah, hit us up definitely continue to support us with the uh just rating and liking and stuff on all the podcast downloadable websites it's just it's um a dumb little thing but it goes a long way and it's a, the freest way you can help us out so we really do appreciate that but short of that um Tell your friends appreciate <laughs> And will you tell all your friends you got your gun to my head? Okay, Kincaid. Um, Sorry, I had to put that in there. <laughs> oh, your gun to my head? <laughs> Kincaid, also a big Taking Back Sunday fan. Apparently. <laughs> so, thank you guys so much. I appreciate y'all, and uh, we look forward to seeing you next week. Hell yeah. So, I have been Josh. I am Alyssa. Podcast was on fire. It wasn't my fault. Oh. Guess me
Had a good ride. Mm-hmm. You drinking your water? Is that I what drinking, that is? I was drinking my water. Good job, Joshy. Aaron bought these. She does pick random pill things. Not like <laughs> this isn't going in. What? This isn't going in. Well, like she's bought like a liver liver pills. You're, she, uh, you're supposed to take, and then these are like magnesium supplements. It's me. like uh, you shouldn't okay. have to take liver pills because your liver well, just does its job, and if it's not doing your job, that's when you get jaundiced. Well, I like I said, I don't. This isn't me, but they're yes. sitting on my desks, and so I figured I'd take one. <laughs> they're like horse pills. How funny! Oh, goodness gracious, and my liver is. <laughs> your eyes are not yellow. Your your liver is fine. I didn't. I didn't say I was jaundiced. I said my liver's a trooper. <laughs> um, 